is Free Talk Live in studio tonight. It's Daryl and Jay. And we are here taking your calls about whatever is on your mind. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And of course, we have brought things to the table as well. And one of those is uh, about a foreign country that I'm fascinated with. Ian is fascinated with. Jay, I'm not sure how closely you've been following the Venezuela situation. Oh, I've been following it, yeah. I talk about it a lot with people. Headline from CNN earlier today, Venezuela is down to its last $10 billion. Meaning that... They're about to completely run out of money. $10 billion U.S. or $10 billion Boulevard? Uh, I think that's... They're, they're using dollar signs here. Uh, so I think they're converting things to U.S. dollars. Now, the question is whether they're using the official Venezuelan uh, currency conversion rate. rate, which sets that rate at 10 Boulevard Fuerte to 1 U.S. dollar, or are they using the black market rate, which is somewhere around like 3,000 Bolivar Fuerte to a U.S. dollar? Well, that's a big difference right there. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Uh, but again, the story from CNN says Caracas is running out of cash. Venezuela only has $10.5 billion in foreign reserves left, according to its most recent central bank data. So this is trusting the Venezuelan government to wind up giving us a data figure. But, you know, there there are certain things to where, you know, really the only source for the info is you've kind of got to look at, you know, the government officials to give you a number, right? Yeah. And how can you trust government officials? I know I can't trust them. Oh, I don't trust them. But one thing that's interesting, and we'll get back to the Venezuela story here, but... If you look at the official U.S. government inflation numbers, which we know are BS, we know that they do everything they can to make it look like inflation's not as bad as it is. Because with inflation numbers, they don't include like food and energy and housing, right? Well, there's certain foods, but they'll manipulate that. And then they manipulate the, the numbers are completely manipulated. Of course. To where, you know, for food, they'll find an equivalent product that might cost less than what it did a year ago. Whereas with electronics, they find an equivalent product, and I'm using air quotes around that term, that cost about the same amount as what it did a year ago. So, you know, a high-end computer, or actually any computer back in 1980, would have cost, you know, several thousand dollars. Now they find a high-end computer that costs the same, whereas we know the standard household computer is a couple hundred dollars but now. When I was six years old in 1986, my parents bought a TD, a Tandy TD-1000 with the printer, the monitor, the computer, and a whole bunch of floppy disks. The thing was like 3600 bucks. Yeah, and I, and sounds about right. It's crazy back then. But again, using the government's own numbers that we know are bunk, it shows that the value of the dollar has decreased by 97% over the last 100 years. Oh, sure. And that's using a number that we know is false, which means it's probably decreased by about 99.5%, if not more. 
But getting back to the story from CNN and, of course, your calls and thoughts. Welcome, 855-450-FREE. For the rest of the year, Venezuela owes roughly $7.2 billion in outstanding debt payments. In 2011, Venezuela had roughly $30 billion in reserves. In 2015, it had $20 billion, and now they're down to $10.5 billion. That trend can't persist much longer, but it's hard to know exactly when Venezuela will run completely out of cash. Siobhan Morden, head of Latin America Fixed Income Strategy at Numura Holdings, says the question is, where is the floor? If oil prices stagnate and foreign reserves reach zero, then the clock is going to start on a default. And then they have a chart, again, showing the reserves going from $30 billion six years ago to $20 billion two years ago now to ten point five billion. I wonder what they're calling reserve because as, when I grew up, I always thought that the reserves for the United States were this gold bullion that was hanging out in Fort Knox. So are they just calling like their paper money reserve? You uh, think? Well, I'm glad you asked because the next paragraph kind of answers oh, that question. According to the country's recently released 2016 financial report, about $7.7 billion of the remaining $10.5 billion of reserves is in gold. To make debt payments in the past year, Venezuela shipped gold to Switzerland. Now, they don't say what the other roughly $3 billion worth of reserves are, but my guess is it's you know, various assets, yeah, uh, probably. The, the value of buildings, etc. cetera. The, the ships they can't sail. Yeah, the, those that are just sitting in the dock. We covered that a couple weeks ago. Right. And then whatever oil is sitting in those boats that can't go anywhere. Now, for comparison, I wanted to see... You know, what are the American government's assets? Because we all know that the outstanding debt is said to be $20 trillion, roughly. Just for the United States Corporation. I, I did a little research on this years ago, and the Federal Reserve, uh, Bank of New York Federal Reserve, used to, on their website, have what's called an M3 report, which was how much debt the Federal Reserve is owed. And in that M3 report, it listed the United States, it listed each individual state, it listed the corporate debt, and it listed the consumer debt, and it also listed uh, the debts for each individual, like municipal corporation, city, town, county, whatever. Right. And that number was like, I can't remember if it was like 06 or 03 that I looked into this, but it was like $97 trillion was a debt of everything. That's what it was. Then, then, yes. I've got an updated oh, cool. number uh, that's on the wiki article for financial position of the United States. It says that the United States government has assets of $269.6 trillion and debts of $145.8 trillion. That's just the U.S. government, not the states. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what all they're putting in this number. I'll try to see what they're doing there. Uh, but that says that that produces a net worth of $123 trillion as of, uh, quarter one, 2014. So that number itself is about three years old, but I, I know that I had heard before that when you add the 
unfunded mandates and the or the unfunded liabilities to the existing, you know, what's acknowledged as the national debt that you wind up getting a number close to a hundred trillion. Looks like it's closer to one hundred fifty trillion. And again, I'll dig in to see what all that number entails. But I do remember a few weeks ago we discussed the consumer debt reaching a, a near all-time high, and it's probably going to cross that all-time high mark sometime this year. The all-time high that currently exists in the United States was from 2008. Jay, you remember what happened in 2008, don't you? Yeah, the housing market crash, and I'm in the hay business, and I actually, that cost me a little bit of money because I had a lot of customers that had big stables where people boarded their horses. And what happened was these people, they lost their houses. They, they, they were kind of dependent on like their stock market earnings or whatever, you know, to pay, pay for their horses, their luxuries. And I had a couple of, couple of horse stables that, you know, they had 30, 40 horses in them and they owed me, I, I think I got hit for about $35,000 out of my own pocket in my own business over just all the people that owed me money. And, and it was literally because the housing bubble had popped, the, the stock market had crashed, and people couldn't afford to have this, these luxury horses anymore. And then it, it rippled down to many, many people like me. Yeah. And, you know, they, there are some people claiming that that recession ended in like 2010. Other people are saying the recession is still going. I've heard some people say we're not in a recession, we're in a depression. But. We'll, do, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. And your calls and thoughts welcome. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. We're discussing Venezuela and the economic situation that just keeps getting worse down there in studio. It's Daryl. And Jay. And your calls and thoughts. Welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Before we get back to the story here, I want to make sure that I encourage you to try my pillow for 60 days. Well, you can't come use mine, but you can get your very own MyPillow. Again, risk-free for 60 days. MyPillow is designed to fit to the shape of your body, hold your neck in the proper position. I've been using it for about a year, and it's definitely the best pillow I've ever had. And unlike a regular pillow, you can throw MyPillow in the washing machine, throw it in the dryer, and it's still usable. It's still nice and fluffy and, again, keeps your head and neck in that proper position. Go to MyPillow.com, use code FTL to get your very own MyPillow at half price or get a second pillow free of charge. And remember, if you don't like it in the first 60 days, you get your money back, less the shipping, and the pillow itself is guaranteed to last 10 years. MyPillow.com, code FTL. L. Looks like you had something to say, Jay. No, no, I just itching myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> so before we get back to discussing Venezuela, I had mentioned that I pulled up some numbers on what the financial status of the United States was. Because again, the story from CNN is that 
the Venezuelan government is down to $10.5 billion in reserves. About $7.7 billion of that is in gold. Not sure what the rest is, but you know we're guessing probably boats and oil and buildings. National monuments. You know, stuff like that. I'm sure yes. that's what the U.S. uses also. St- stuff along those lines. So the number that I cited from Wikipedia that was updated quarter one of 2014 was that the U.S. had outstanding debts of $145 trillion. And yes, Jay, that number does include personal debt, debt held by nonprofits, non-financial corporate businesses, non-financial non-corporate businesses, financial businesses, state and local governments, the federal government, and then it says foreign, but I'm guessing that's, I'm not sure what that is if it's being counted as, you know, American debt, but listed as foreign, not sure what that means necessarily. The thing I had talked about was... The M3 report was how much the Federal Reserve Bank was holding in debt. And that was $97 trillion is the number, I remember. I can't remember if it was 03 or 06. Those, those two years kind of popped my head for some reason. But that that included all that. But that was just what the Federal Reserve was on. Never, right. never mind what, you know, bondholders or the Chinese or whoever, you know, might be owed for debt that's owed by Americans, basically. Yeah, and trying to pull up M3, it looks as though that's not something that the Federal Reserve tracks anymore. They've not tracked it since 2006. Okay, that must be the numbers that I got then. And speaking of things that aren't tracked anymore, the inflation rate in Venezuela. The Venezuelan central government hasn't tracked that in several years. We'll tell you what the estimated inflation rate is Here in just a second, the story, again, from CNN says the thinning reserves, again, they were $30 billion six years ago, $20 billion two years ago, now down to $10 billion in Venezuela. The thinning reserves paint a scary financial picture as the country faces a humanitarian crisis sparked by an economic meltdown. Venezuelans are suffering massive food and medical shortages as well as skyrocketing grocery prices. Massive government overspending, a crashing currency, mismanagement of the country's infrastructure, and corruption are all factors that have sparked extremely high inflation in Venezuela. Again, something that's not been tracked by the Venezuelan central government in about two years And that's because once inflation hits a certain rate, you're officially in hyperinflation, and they didn't want to do that. So the IMF is doing some calculations of their own. They're estimating that the inflation rate is going to rise to 1,660% this year and 2,880% next year. And just for comparison, the official inflation rate in the U.S. is hovering around 2%. Yeah, allegedly, which is just a crock. That, that's why I said the official right. number. The, the difference between America and Venezuela is is that the, the United States literally exports like their bad parts of their, of, of their socialism to where Venezuela isn't able to force other nations to use their money because they don't have this military 
to uh, back up their printing press with. So here, United States, right. anybody who doesn't want to participate in a dollar or whatever, they get bombed. So Venezuela doesn't have that ability. So if if and as far right, as I'm concerned, that that's one of the reasons that Venezuelans are facing a food shortage is because the suppliers of said products they don't want these worthless Bolivar Fuerte. They want paid in U.S. dollars. Well, well, that too. And the real reason they're they're facing a, a food shortage is you know, it all started is because the government said to the farmers, "Hey, you need to." produce these crops you need to produce this food cheaper than you can produce it and the farmers are like well we can't do that so then the muslim went to brazil they yeah. just left and then you know when supplies do wind up coming in we've read stories about people actually smuggling them out of the country yeah the subsidized toilet paper to subsidize food yeah because that's what happens when you subsidize it and if you sell it cheaper than you you yeah, you can produce it. You're going to create a black market to where it's just going to be funneled back somewhere else. Right. So people were, you know, crossing into Colombia and Brazil to sell the products at, you know, a huge markup to them, you know, because they're getting a gallon of gas for pennies. About four years ago, I seen a, I don't know if it was a meme or something, but a dude had like this, like tarped up backpack that was like, 10 times the size of his body and it was all paper towels and toilet paper that he was like smuggling out of the country so he could make a few dollars so he could feed his family right and you would think because when i first saw the headline of you know uh diapers and smuggling in venezuela i was like oh people are smuggling supplies into venezuela because i know how difficult it is for them to get anything because what you were saying the Central government is telling stores, you have to sell this below what you paid for it. But nope, they were smuggling it out to try to make a few dollars. Uh, Continuing with the article here, it says another key problem is the relatively low price of oil, which stands at half of what it was in 2014. Venezuela has more oil reserves than any other nation in the world, and oil shipments make up over 90% of the country's total exports. This is making it nearly impossible for the country to pay its debt and import food, medicine, and other essentials. Things are not good in Venezuela. Luckily, they're better here. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. The Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is having its 2017 annual convention March 18th from 2 to 6 p.m. at the Holiday Inn in Concord, New Hampshire. The convention will feature speakers Caleb Dyer, a freshman state representative who recently joined the Libertarian Party, and Patrick McKnight, regional representative to the Libertarian National Committee. Tickets for the convention are $10 for non-members and admission is free for LPNH members. Go to lpnh.org convention for more information. That's lpnh.org convention. This is Free Talk Live, 855-453, that's 855-450-3733 in studio. It's Daryl. And Jay. And we were discussing the situation in Venezuela to where, and we knew this for quite some time, that you know the Venezuelan central government is going broke, but I don't think we realized how broke. Until, again, that story from CNN showing that 
The central government in Venezuela is down to $10.5 billion worth of reserves, about 75-80% of that being held in gold. Not sure what the rest of it is. And again, just five years ago, they had $30 billion. So they're going to completely run out of money sometime in the next year and a half, probably. So when they completely run out of money and a government can no longer function, it is my belief that we will literally see Venezuela just start to get better. Because if there's no government there to force people not to do things, to regulate people, to mess with people, to point guns at people, uh, I would hope the free market would just take over. Well, the question is, how long after they run out of money will Nicola, or how long will it be before Nicolas Maduro realizes? That he can't just you know tell people what to do because he doesn't have the money to keep paying the military. How long will it be before the military guys and the police just drop their weapons and say no more? I guess it depends how much they believe in Maduro. I mean, you know, if Maduro's got these these state these Venezuelan statists all brainwashed to believe that he's like Almighty and God and stuff, as many you know the statists believe all their Not- leaders are. What, what, they may follow without I'm, pay. What I'm seeing is the people aren't happy with Maduro, and they're basically being kept in line because of the police and the military. So the question is, how long can you wind up not feeding your police and military before they stop enforcing your laws? I don't know. I guess as soon as they get hungry. And that's what I would think. That's something that we'll have to wait and see. And again, it's like a very slow motion train wreck. Let's go to the phones. Again, 855-450-FREE. We've got Robert calling in from Bellows Falls. Robert, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hi, Gerald. Nice to meet you, Jerry. Hey, nice to meet you, Robert. I was um, actually in Bellows Falls this afternoon. Oh, oh that's true. That would have been nice to see you. Bellows Falls is kind of a nice town, but it's there's a lot of crazy people who live in that town. Well, well, what'd you call in about? I, I know you didn't call to give well, you know a report well, on I, how many crazy people live in your town. Right. Um, you know, you guys were talking about uh, you know the the you know the, the uh, country of Venezuela. I guess we were talking about and and wealth and. And what you know? Why countries are so broken? I, I, you know, I guess what I don't understand is, you know, the United States. You know, like you said, is very broke. But you know, a lot of that money, you know, that where it, it's you know they, well, but they can't find. You know, like for instance, on December tenth of two thousand one, Donald Rumsfeld came on national TV. And said that some two or point three or three point two trillion dollars is just it's just missing. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a report from Reuters from a couple years ago that the Pentagon, over I think the last decade, had somewhere around like six trillion dollars that was just unaccounted for. We know we spent it on something, but we don't know what fifty thousand dollar hammers. Well, no, they know what that went on, but oh. there was just other money where they were just like, we know we spent it, but we don't have receipts, so just trust us it was good stuff. 
I mean, this whole Federal Reserve system is just absolute fraud because it would be absolutely impossible to even think about servicing this debt. If I a couple of years ago, somebody was on I, I, the guy who owns Roberts and Roberts there. I, I forget, Tim Fry. Tim. He was on Alex Jones or something on one of them, but or, or actually maybe he was on Ernie's show. But he was talking about how if every uh, American, every American corporation, literally took all their assets and literally just gave it in payment of the debt. It wouldn't even come close to paying off the debt. I mean, it's just it, that the Federal Reserve's owned. It's just it's just an absolute fraud, and people just need to start realizing that. And as soon as and more and more people are realizing that, that's why Bitcoin's becoming more popular. And as, as soon as people start exactly. on a mass level, start realizing within the United States and start re- realizing the Federal Reserve note is just nothing but, you know, BS, it, that's when serious things are going to start to happen, I think, with Bitcoin and gold and silver and o- other currencies. I, and I agree with you, Jay, on that. And I've been buying my Bitcoins, but I guess what I'm afraid is, of is uh, you know, what happened over in Greece. You know, I mean, you know, all those people went off when they you know, lost all their funds and everything. So and, uh, just for anybody that might not be familiar with what happened in Greece, I believe you're talking about when uh, the Greek government defaulted and they just decided, oh, we're going to give everybody's bank account that's above a certain amount a haircut. I think it was 6,000 euros. And right. to make sure that people didn't just you know pull their money out of the banks, they said, and nobody can withdraw money starting now. Yeah, you know, they just freeze everybody's bank bank account, and then they announce the haircut. And if you like me, I don't have a bank account, and I won't get one. I can't get one. I don't really care to have a bank account. My money's in cash, Bitcoin, and silver, and livestock, and stuff like that. So uh, that wouldn't personally affect me, but yeah, it would definitely screw me up because I, I got a lot of customers that a lot of my people I do business with they keep their money in a bank, and I'm always telling them. Man, try not to keep too much in the bank. You know, just enough to pay bills. But yeah. it's it's hard for people to do. There are a lot of people I know. They're afraid to have a few thousand dollars cash on them. They're afraid to have a few thousand dollars in their house. Right, and when you see stuff about some of the you know uh, the the asset forfeiture gone wild sort of stories, oh, to yeah, where you can you understand know, somebody taking a bus to start a new life somewhere, and they've got you know a couple thousand dollars on them because it's their life savings, and the cops come on board and they just ruffle through everybody. So, oh, why you got a couple thousand dollars? You dealing drugs? No, I'm moving to California. I want to start a new life. Yeah, sure, that's what everybody says. You're coming with us, and this money's ours. They never file a charge, but they keep the money. Yep, yeah, and then there's, there's been luck. stories of people that you know run a small business that they wind up getting all of their money seized by the IRS because the IRS believes that they're doing this thing called structuring to where you make deposits of less than ten thousand dollars, so you don't have to fill out some IRS form for why you're making a deposit of more than that. Well, no, they're they're not doing anything fishy or suspicious or illegal they're running a small restaurant and they're making deposits every tuesday and friday like that's not weird once you look at it and you you see what's going on but in the government's eyes they're like oh they must be doing this to avoid filling out this form so therefore it's suspicious and illegal and your money's ours now so I, I, I don't blame people for not wanting to keep money around. I don't blame people for not wanting to put money in banks. But 
you know, the the really only other alternative is, you know, like gold, silver, cryptocurrencies. But then, even then, it could wind up being considered suspicious in the eyes of some overzealous government agent. And I'll tell you what, if you if you got, you know, your fifty, sixty thousand dollars in silver, it's kind of got to keep track of it it's, and you need a good safe and then if you got a good safe people might know about it and you know it's it's tough and then you know cryptocurrencies you know bitcoin's just like cash if you screw up and lose your you know account you know password your your wallet password you lose it or if you had it in mount gox you might you know you would have lost it it's it's tricky you got to not keep all your eggs in one basket that's for sure yes Robert, thank you for the call. Your calls and thoughts welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. We'll take your calls about whatever is on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we were talking last segment about various ways that you can protect your wealth. And one of those was getting some cryptocurrency. Well, and in order to have cryptocurrency, you need to have a cryptocurrency wallet. And, well, there just happens to be an official cryptocurrency wallet of Free Talk Live, and that would be the JAX wallet. J-A-X-X. You can get it at JAX.io or in the app store of your choice. There's no wallet like it. You can hold Bitcoin, Ether, DAO with more currencies on the way. I believe they recently added Dash and Zcash. They have Shapeshift integration built in. So let's say you have some Bitcoin and you want to turn it into one of the other currencies that they have in the wallet. You can do that within the wallet itself. It's frictionless and it's easy. The wallet was created by Free Talk Live listener Anthony DiOrio, who's also the founder of Ethereum. It's easy to back up your wallet and recover your funds with Jax. And Jax is striving to give you command over your digital life. Coins, contracts, currencies, identity, and more. Your digital command center in the palm of your hand. Jax, again, the official wallet of Free Talk Live. J-A-X-X dot I-O. So, and speaking of Bitcoin, it's been to, doing pretty good. I'm just trying to bring up the average here. Up yeah. over $1,200 when I looked earlier today. 1216 it says right now, BitcoinAverage.com. And yeah, that's cool, Dash. Uh, Dash is being shape-shifted on Jax now. I actually have a little Dash, and I haven't looked at it since, like, September. And I've heard that Dash has gone up tremendously over the last uh, several months. Actually, gone up a good bit in the last month, which means I might want to maybe get some. And I can do that in my Jax wallet using that shape-shift integration. So changing gears from Venezuela to a country that's not any better off, really, Cuba. And there's actually some sad news out of Cuba, specifically for a pair of libertarian activists in Cuba 
who were arrested a month ago. Now, we've had this story, or at least I've had this story in show prep for a while, and we've never gotten to it, but there's an update. So before I give you the update, I want to tell you exactly what happened. On February 2nd, so right at a month ago, Ubaldo Herrera Hernandez and Manuel Velasquez Visea were arrested by plainclothes secret police. Both activists were detained on trumped-up charges. They were affiliated with Mises Cuba, which is an independent Cuban think tank based on a similar philosophy of the Ludwig von Mises Institute in Auburn, Alabama. And the Mises Cuba Institute did confirm that the men were arrested. They were specifically targeted for their peaceful activism promoting limited government and free markets. Now, in the update, we'll tell you exactly what these horrible, horrible men were doing to wind up getting arrested. Well, socialist dictators do not like free markets, and that's, you know, it takes their power away, it doesn't give them the ability to corrupt and buy, you know, politicians and, you know, make things happen and blackmail people. And that's the beauty of free market. It, it takes all this villainism stuff out of government. And boy, the villains don't like it when their power is stripped. Yeah. And I found out about this because the Libertarian Party of Nevada issued a resolution condemning the Cuban government and calling upon the Cuban government to release these men. And there's a statement from LP Nevada Vice Chairman David Colborn, who says the arrest of the libertarian activist in Cuba is a jarring reminder of both the Obama administration's willingness to sacrifice Cuban refugees on the altar of real politic and the Trump administration's open hostility towards civil liberties and the rule of law. I call on all liberty-minded political leaders in the U.S. to chart a new course by demanding the immediate and safe release of these Cuban libertarian activists. And then this goes on to specifically state what their resolution is, uh, where not only they, the Libertarian Party of Nevada, condemning the Cuban government, but they specifically call on other libertarian state parties and the National Party to do the same. Now, the update, and this update comes from yesterday, February 28th. After days of anxious waiting, libertarians around the world finally have updates on two imprisoned Cuban libertarian activists, Ubaldo Herrera Hernandez and Manuel Velasquez Visea, who who were arrested by state security, which is Cuba's secret police. They were detained in jail in Mayabaque province and charged with attempted assault. But the Mises Institute Cuba... Uh, It said that libertarians are unanimous in asserting that both men were targeted for dissident activism. As of today, the source in Cuba confirms that both men were indeed convicted on falsified charges and are in a labor prison. They now face additional criminal charges. This dissident activism, you want to hear what these guys were doing to yeah. bring down the communist government of Vene- or of Cuba, according to the Cuban government. Sure. They were originally targeted for having meetings in a room to discuss civil liberties, limited government, and free markets. And occasionally, they would distribute flyers and put up some posters. 
This sounds that sounds very, like everyday life here. Yeah, yeah, it's just what I do all the time. You do all the time. This also, you know, you could take this article, remove Cuba, and put in North Korea, and you know, it would be the same thing. Yeah, the the only difference is I don't think there actually is a Mises Institute in North <laughs> Korea. Other members of Mises Cuba were threatened by state security shortly after Herrera and Velasquez were originally arrested. Six days ago, Cuban libertarians on the ground affiliated with Mises Cuba confirmed that the pair were transferred to the labor prison Melana Il near Melana del Sur on the border of Havana and Mayabaque. The living and working conditions in Cuba's network of labor prisons, basically Cuban gulags are subhuman, including of the institute that they're or the prison that they're in. Their transfer to Cuba's equivalent of the gulag, where political prisoners go to get beaten and do hard labor, made other Cuban activists believe Herrera and Velasquez had been convicted of attempted assault in a closed door kangaroo court. So the reports, even from the people in Cuba, they're not entirely sure what the charges were because. It was a closed doors court, which could you imagine the outcry here now? Now, I, I'm sure in like, you know, two or three years after uh, Fuhrer Trump winds up in instituting some changes, people wouldn't blink an eye about closed doors courts. But right now, if people were, you know, tried in court where nobody was able to sit and watch, could you imagine the outcry? Well, I mean, isn't that what happened to, like, uh, Chelsea Manning? Or wasn't that, I mean, that was a military court. I believe that was closed door, wasn't it? Or No, there were people that were able to oh, okay. sit and witness. Now, you couldn't take video cameras or recording equipment in, and Chelsea Manning was not allowed to really present a defense. So definitely a kangaroo court, but the doors were opened where people could show up. Well, well, that's good. I, I know when I go to court, I used to always ask them, uh, "What's the jurisdiction of this court? What, what jurisdiction is this court functioning in?" And they and I've had several times the judge say, "Oh, I can't tell you," or "You have to ask a lawyer." But when they say, "I can't tell you," I I object to the secret jurisdiction of this court. And the judge is like, "No, it's not secret." Well, then tell me, how come you can't tell me? Do you not know? Well, I just can't tell you. You have to ask a lawyer. Well, aren't you a lawyer? You know, you should know. But, I remember one time calling a court to ask a very specific question about a definition, and the response was, I'm not allowed to give legal advice. I'm not asking you for advice. I'm asking you for a definition. That, that's a catch-all for him. I, yes. I, I can't give legal advice. Back to the update from LP Nevada. Mises, Cuba volunteer staff member and attorney Nelson Rodriguez Chartrand confirms that both men were convicted and now face the additional criminal charge of distributing enemy propaganda. So for passing out flyers, advocating for free markets and limited government, these men are facing a criminal charge of distributing enemy propaganda. Well, they are the enemy to this socialistic system. I mean, the free market is the enemy of socialism, so... That's terrible. Should go to show that even though things are improving in Cuba, they could be a whole lot better 
And same could be said for the United States. The difference is the degrees. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the liberty movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farms, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help help with financing too. Invest in liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Kicking off our number two in studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we spent... The first hour, pretty much discussing foreign things. So Venezuela, which is about to really go broke, like more broke than the U.S. government is because at least, you know, the U.S. government has some assets, even though there's still that huge, like $20 trillion plus of debt. Uh, They're, you know, are a good bit of assets. Now, a lot of that is buildings and bombs. Uh, Venezuela, on the other hand, according to a report, uh, article from CNN citing Venezuelan government reports, they're down to $10.5 billion of quote-unquote reserves, about $7.7 billion of that being held in gold. Now, in the last year to try to pay some of their obligations, they've shipped some of that gold to Switzerland, and it's only a matter of time before they completely run out of reserves and the police and military can't be paid or fed, and then what happens? And that's something that it's kind of a wait and see because we we can speculate, but nobody really knows. Yeah, Venezuela, a country that can't export its negative effects of socialism like the United States does. I had a talk with a guy about this uh, about a week ago, and, and he said he was a socialist, and I, he was actually a very polite, friendly guy that I met up with. And we had a discussion. A mutual friend of ours actually kind of brought us together for this uh, specific uh, discussion, being I'm an anarchist, and, and you know this guy actually works for he's a social worker and he works for a nonprofit that gets like most of its money from the federal government like 90% of its money from the feds and i was started explaining to him that taxation was theft and and what we ended up talking about is how the united states has is a socialist has all these socialist programs it basically is socialism and it's able to export its negative effects of socialism so they're not felt here. And what the United States does is it has a printing press and it has a military to back up this printing press. So it can literally force everybody else in the world to accept these U.S. dollars and participate in on this, you know, in, in the U.S. dollar program. Therefore, the United States can just keep on printing money and printing money because all these other countries and people of the world are forced to literally have faith in the U.S. dollar. Right. And, you know, I, I remember being told a long time ago, you know, the dollar is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Yep. And now that was not explained to me when I was younger, but it's basically what you just said. The full faith and credit of the United States government is 
the bombs and the missiles and the guys that are willing to drop those bombs and fire those missiles. Yeah, it's it's forced by the barrel of a gun, as my brother Josh, you know, has some lyrics in his song that's that say that. So the, this guy kind of came came out of this conversation with a a, a really really different view. Uh, of of a, the American socialism, and he did, did, doesn't didn't believe in the beginning that America really is a socialist country. In fact, he well, by definition, it's not because the means of production are privately held for the most part. So technically, not socialism by definition. There's a lot of socialist programs. Definitely fascism. Oh yeah, absolutely yeah. But you know, by definition, because the means of production are not state run, it's technically not by definition socialism. Wasn't it Stalin that said that fascism is when Mussolini? Oh, Mussolini! Yeah, you're right. Um, the f- fascism is when governments and corporations work together for an agenda. Yes, and one of those agendas is to, and this is where we're uh, changing directions here is to make sure that you still have to keep paying rent on land that you supposedly purchased and a house that you supposedly purchased. And I I think, are these some friends of yours, uh, the Force Farm in New York that you had mentioned to me? uh, There's a website, savetheforcefarm.com that has a lot of information on the, you know, this Force Farm where they supposedly owed some money to the government, and local government came in and took the land. So, Forest Farm is in Oswego County, New York. Uh, the town is uh, Gilbert, Gilbertsville, New York. It's a some. Uh, from what I have read about these folks, they lived on Long Island. They bought this farm a few years ago. They, or several years ago, they moved up there and retired. And you know that that's where they were living. It's uh, Donna and Robert Force and the. Where I came across these folks is a couple weekends ago, I went and seen uh, Jeanette and Chalice Finnicum speak in Haver, Haverhill, Mass. Uh, that was the uh, widow and daughter of Lavoy Finnicum, one That's of correct. the guys that was killed by, was it the FBI and Oregon State Police la- about a year ago? Something like that. Yeah, he was definitely murdered uh, by you know government thugs and... Unprovoked, the guy was unarmed. It was like a, a roadblock. Lavoy Finnicum was going to have a meeting with either a sheriff or some other folks about this uh, occupation of the Malheur Wildlife Bird Sanctuary. You know, land that was stolen from from uh, farmers and ranchers. Yep. You know, years ago. And anyways, so I I met these women. Women, they they're doing this um, kind of tour around the country called uh, uh, One Cowgirls. Or one cowboy's daughter stand for freedom. Uh, if you go to their their website, I believe is one cowboy stand for freedom. If you just you know start googling that, you'll find find all about them. But their biggest thing was pro- big thing is property rights. So I you know I I liked them on Facebook and started following them on Facebook. And then a day or two later, I I was looking at Facebook and I seen this this Force Farm. Uh, they were talking about Force Farm is being taken for taxes. We'll get into this story, but first, to the phones, we've got Greg calling in from New York. Greg, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Hey, I wanted to change the topic just a bit and talk about um, becoming robots and automation disruption going on. 
Do you want people to become robots, or you're concerned that people will become robots? I think they've already become robots, some of them. But that's beside the point. I'm worried robots will take the job. Um, I just read a Bloomberg Technology uh, article that says, and I quote, economists may be underestimating the impact on labor markets of increasing automation, rise of artificial intelligence, according to an article by the Bank of England on Wednesday. The potential for simultaneous and rapid disruption, coupled with the breadth of human functions that AI might replicate, may have a profound implications on labor markets. Hold on. I thought this is something, Greg, I, I thought this is something that you would wind up supporting since you don't want people to have jobs and you just want this universal basic income. Well, of course I support it. I, it's inevitable, and AI is certainly going to become better. Uh, what I'm always saying is I'm sounding the warning saying that, you know, I want and, you know, I might have give up uh, saying uh, unconditional basic income, especially some people have an aversion to this uh, for different reasons. I'm going to say you can achieve the same thing with single payer system like people already have, like they have. In France, uh, free health care. Just free, because I mean, people have a certain form of theft that winds up paying for things does not mean that it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's you know something to pro- that will promote liberty. I mean, I hear horror stories about these single-payer health care programs that are in the European Union where people literally are waiting months to get you know simple things done that they can get done here in the United States. In fact, Derby Line, Vermont, if you go up there... I haven't been up there in five or six years, but I used to go to Quebec all the time. And they have a pretty good industry up there, all these medical buildings up on the border, because people just assume come over to the United States from Canada to get you know health services, to get med- medical attention because of their medicine system, because it's government, because it's free. You know, it, it takes a long time to get things done, and they're all forced to pay, I don't know, $2,000 a year to, you know... Pay for this, and well, they would it doesn't matter go pay if cash. they're forced to pay two thousand dollars or two dollars. Force is wrong, Greg. Thank you for the call. I- any amount of force, it doesn't matter right. how much or how little, is wrong. This is Free Talk Live eight fifty five four fifty free. We'll get back into the story about the force farm in New York, and is there anything that can be done to stop this? Eight fifty five four fifty free. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we're talking about the Force Farm in Gilbertsville, New York. Looking at a map, it appears to be roughly halfway between Albany and Syracuse to kind of give people yeah, some like kind of... Like straight south of Utica. Yeah, uh, and I believe we might still be on the air in Utica. I know we were at one time, uh, but again, you know, to to give people some kind of idea where this place is, you know, definitely upstate. Again, about halfway between Albany and Syracuse, but a little south of there. So the family, the Force family, had their property seized by the town of Gilbertsville or city, some form of a government, said, you owe property tax and we have your property now. Right. And so that that's what we're talking about here. These people that are trying to get their property back 
from this municipality. So these guys have actually done some pretty good activism here. They've taken out ads in newspapers, photo ads, like half-page ads, uh, the My Shopper and the Penny Saver, which are actually papers I'm very familiar with up there in that area because I picked them up to try to like find hay for sale and stuff. And I've bought a lot of hay all around where this, this place is. In fact, I'm going to be out there probably next week, and I'm going to try to contact these guys and maybe go have, buy, buy them lunch or something and talk with them. Because, you know, this is something I'm very passionate about myself, as you know, right, anybody because knows. As uh, some people might be aware, and there are always listeners that aren't, right. uh, you had a property seized a couple of years ago for failure to pay a property tax. Now, your situation definitely different from the situation that the forces are dealing with. Right. Because you were a uh, volunteer fireman in Palmer, Massachusetts. W- which I think is irrelevant to the situation. But yeah, I, w- well, I did that for 18 not years. Not irrelevant because they cut you a check every year that you refused to cash. Well, yeah, yep. And that check was a little bit more than what they claimed the property tax was? Uh, so when I, yeah, early on it was a little, the check was a little bit more. In the last couple of years, the check would have been a little bit less than what the property tax is. It, it's about even i i figure you know my understanding was you were saying i'm not cashing your check just credit this towards what you claim i owe oh no i never did any of that with them actually no but i i never accepted a check from the fire department and even though they kept trying to give them to you right well after like never cashed i I, what i actually did with they gave me the first i think i got three checks from them and each check i basically endorsed it and i gave it and i wrote it back to the bondsville water department i gave it back to him right and you know basically they wanted to make sure no we've got to make sure that our bookkeeping entries are correct we can't just you know say that you gave us this money so finally they never they they didn't give me any checks after that i didn't want them uh actually two other guys in the fire department were like yeah we don't need i don't need this money i don't want this money and they they did the same thing and but that why i say that isn't why that's not relevant in my mind is because you shouldn't have to pay rent to own your property agreed agreed i'm just saying you know as far as you know your average person looking at the situation they're going to see it as completely different situations right right because you know the municipality was trying to give you money you refused that should have been credited towards the property tax even though property tax shouldn't exist in the first place but because it does, you know, they should just you know and, do a bookkeeping and you're good. And I know Mark feels the same way, and a lot of people uh, feel the same way that that you're just stating here. I never cared that that was never an issue for me. The the fire department check being put towards a property tax because my issue was straight up: you shouldn't have to pay rent on the land, and that, right. and that, and, that was the bottom line. And that's the and, the, and I bought the place with the intent of never paying the taxes. And, and, I, and wasn't I never that did. a property that, or was it a different property that your father had, and he didn't pay Correct. taxes on it for several years? Right. Well, he never paid a tax on it, and you for know, like thirty years. So 1983 to, and he passed away in 2012. So yeah, 29 years. Yeah, um, that that was my dad's property there. So getting back to the story here on the Force family, uh, back in August 2014. Apparently, that's when Otsego County decided to wind up selling the property to someone other than the rightful owners. Uh, yes, and what the, what they're accusing the they're not debating 
from what I can they say, being the, the force, forces, the forces aren't saying taxation is theft or anti-property tax uh, or anti-rent, you know, to the crown. They are accusing the town or the county of aggressive foreclosure practices. Okay. So, so reading from their website here, savetheforcefarm.com, in June of two, tw- 2012, the the forces tried to pay their 2011 taxes on time. They were at the treasurer's office in Cooperstown, where the Baseball Hall of Fame is, and told they could not pay their 2011 taxes. They must pay their 2012 taxes first. So in New York, the taxes are extremely high. My grandmother lives in a little little town called Middleburg, New York. She has two acres in Middleburg. She is 84 years old, so her property tax is $4,200 a year. She gets 50% off her property tax because she's a senior citizen. Okay. But her property tax would be like $8,500 a year on two acres. That's and utterly ridiculous. It, it's extreme. So I, I want to make sure that I understand this correctly. In June 2012... The forces went in to attempt to pay the 2011 property taxes, and Correct. they were told, you can't pay the 2011 taxes, you have to pay the 2012 taxes first. That's what they were told. Yeah, that's what I'm reading on their website right now, yep. Yep, just wanted to make sure that that's what I heard. So, the county refused to accept their on-time payment for the 2011 taxes, thus causing the forces to look as if they were in arrears. We have a receipt for the 2012 payment in June of 2012, and on July 15th, 2014, Donna Force, I, I assume it's Donna Force, it says Donna, called the county treasurer's office to make payment on both 2011 and 2013 taxes, only to find out that in January 2013, the county had become, begun foreclosure proceedings and the property was on the auction block for August 20th, 2014. Donna has made a mistake thinking the payment was due on July 30th, not June 30th. And, you know, if I've had many, many people call me over the years and contact me about property tax stuff, and I've looked at all kinds of tax bills, and as soon as any any property tax is put into any kind of late fees or arrears, it's 18% interest. It's uh, the maximum interest allowed by state law. And then uh, there's probably some kind of late fee oh, yep. added on top of that. Absolutely. There's all kinds of stuff. So th- this stuff just piles up like crazy. And then and then they hire a lawyer, a lo- some, you know, maggot law firm. Is, you know, and these law firms that work for any government, as far as I'm concerned, are no good. And they just pile on these fees, pile on these fees like crazy. It, it's unbelievable. Again, they attempted to pay their property taxes and we're told you can't pay those because you have to pay next year's first. We'll continue. And your calls and thoughts welcome. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. Ross Ulbricht was convicted in early 2015 of running the infamous Silk Road Underground Market. 
The Silk Road was a gift to humanity and helped reduce the harms brought on by drug prohibition. For this good deed, Ross has been sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Now, an appeal is Ross's only chance, and he needs your support. Please visit freeross.org, where you can contribute via various methods, including Bitcoin. Visit freeross.org. That's freeross.org. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we'll get back into the story here in a moment. But I want to make sure I tell you about a way that you can save on purchases that you're going to make anyway. Now, how about if I told you you could save 5%? That's good, right? Yeah, 5% is great. What if I told you you could save 10? Oh, now I'm more interested. 20, 25%, possibly up to 33% on things you were going to buy anyway. You can when you go to saveatpurse.com. Now, some people would say, the catch is you've got to use Bitcoin. I look at it as... I get to save a bunch of money and I can use my Bitcoin. Okay. I've got a couple of orders that I'm waiting to be delivered that I'm saving 25 and 23% on. And these are things I was going to buy anyway. And I just decided to go to saveatpurse.com, put things in my Amazon wish list, import the wish list to save at purse, select my discount, and then wait a little bit of time for somebody to say, I'm willing to buy Bitcoin at that much of a markup. And then they buy the items from Amazon. Purse gives them the Bitcoin. You get the items. Everybody's happy and you've saved a lot of money. Save at purse.com. I actually bought a $150 tool uh, the other day on Amazon. Well, you know, through Purse. And I I put it for 33% off the first day, and then I'm like, ah, I kind of need this thing. So I put it down to 25%, and then about three hours after it was at 25%, I checked it again because I was going to knock it down another 5% if it didn't you know, show up yet. So And somebody had bought it for me. And so I literally uh, came up – well, this, this was actually last Wednesday. So when I came came up uh, to Keene, I was at a place, and I, I bought – uh, Bitcoin and I paid five percent over, you know, spot because I bought it at a Bitcoin ATM, but yep. I saved. So basically, I saved twenty percent because nice. you know I got the twenty five percent off. And, then I rebought to Bitcoin for five percent, and I and all of that was possible through SaveAtPurse.com. Let's go to not the phones, but to Skype, where we have none other than Mark Edge. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah, I was talking, I was listening to the story about the force farm, and I think that this is, you know, what these people are presented with is one of the, the sort of most insidious conundrums that the state puts in place. Um, if they choose to protect their property with force, which generally people would say that that's completely acceptable. If there's a group of, group of people that were coming to take your property from you uh, by force, that they would say, yeah, sure, you can use guns to protect your property. Unless that group of people is the government. But, like Jay will attest here, the government never really takes your property. They sell it to someone else. That's right. And then that person is 
essentially can come move in. And then, you know, you're sort of forced, Jay's case notwithstanding here, but you're sort of forced to, uh, you know, use violence. If that's if you wanted to use violence to protect your property, you use violence against these people who, you know, really didn't do it to you, that you've never met before, that you don't have a, uh, a real issue with, even though they're buying these properties. In many cases, um, you know, they're, they're buying distressed properties. They don't think of it as um, enterprising on other people's, um, you know, uh, bad luck, that their rights are being violated, right. that sort of thing. Most of the time, they just want to oh, buy this property, fix it up a little bit, get some rent out of it, sell it on down the line. Everything will be great. It's a good way to get a discount. I got a phone call this morning from a, a friend who's uh, in New Hampshire here, and he's been kind of like looking for property for me. And I've been looking for property in New Hampshire. And he called me up this morning, and you know, I, the guy put some effort into it. He he was all excited. Hey, Jay, I, check out, listen to these properties. Here's 14 acres and. Danbury, New Hampshire, and here's, you know, blah, 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 and go, go on the town's website and something, you know, property and tax foreclosure. And I'm like, you know what? I, I no. really am not interested in, in buy. I, I, I thank the guy for looking for me. You know, I, I, I didn't want to insult him. He's, and he's probably listening tonight. But I, I just have an objection to participating in the theft system. I, I, I really don't want to buy property from, you know, town for you know, town foreclosures, but actually this two acres that I'm buying up in Grafton to do my property tax project from the guy who bought, who, who, who bought it, uh, actually bought it from the town in a, in a, in a tax foreclosure. And so it's like, boy, but I don't think there's a piece of property really you could buy out there that might not have been foreclosed on at one time. Cause there's tax foreclosures, you know, all the time and them going on for, you know, 60 some odd years. So um, I had a situation with my property where um, I thought that it was connected to this. Uh, the the uh, deeds are very, very old in New Hampshire. You're never exactly sure what you had. I actually had to pay to have my deed rewritten by title insurance people. But um, nonetheless, uh, I thought that it was a situation where um, I owned this piece of property that was completely useless. It was cut off. You wouldn't need a helicopter or a $200,000 bridge to get to it. It was useless. It had no right of way. It was no nothing. I was just going to let that property go to the town. Um, I'm like, I'm not paying. They're getting $40,000 a year. I'm sorry, they're not getting that. They're assessing this worthless piece of property at $40,000 a year, collecting taxes from these old people that never go to this property and probably haven't seen it in decades. And they're continuing to pay. I don't let it go into foreclosure. You're never exactly sure the story behind foreclosures either. Right. There's a, a fellow in New York I've been, buying, been de- de- dealing with his family for years. My grandfather dealt with him. And he owns like 800 acres in Fort Plain, New York. And his property tax bill on his farm was it was retarded. It was like $26,000 a year or something. And he had, you know, the way all these roads went through his farm. So he had... You know, tremendous amount of frontage. So what he actually did was he donated all the frontage lots. He donated them to his church. He gave them to the church. So he basically owns a doesn't own like 150 feet or whatever from the road, whatever a minimum frontage lot is. And he paid and had it surveyed and donated it to the church. And now, and he still gets to use it all. And 
his property tax just because he eliminated all that frontage from all his hay fields is was like is down to like a third of what it was, and he gave it to the church, and the church doesn't you know pay any taxes, and there's a local right. Catholic church or something he gave it to, and of course you know the Catholic church doesn't have any problems, not like the Shire Free Church which they won't recognize, but you know uh, so that that's what he had to do to just so he could afford to farm. It's, Mark, uh, any, any further thoughts? No, thank you. Well, before you go, are you still in Mexico or are you back in the United States? Well, I was hoping my audio was pretty good. I'm driving a car from, um, you know, using hands-free here, driving from Orlando, where I landed recently, uh, from Anarcapulco, which was a blast. And um, I'm headed to Sarasota. I should be arriving relatively soon. And, um, you know, all in all, things have gone quite well. I hope to be back on the show in, I don't want to, you know, oversell it, but two or three weeks, hopefully. Cool. Should be back up in New Hampshire in about two or three weeks. I know a bunch of people looking forward to that. And very quickly, for anybody that may have missed the FTL broadcast from Anarchapulco, can you give us a summary of what the event was like? Um, you know, it was an incredible, it's an incredible event. There, I, I would say there's no liberty oriented event quite like it. It's an eclectic group of people with a bunch of different ideas. The energy there is sort of unlike anything I've experienced in the liberty movement. Um, I, I, I can't, I'm not great with the words and coming up with why I think people should go, but geez, in the middle of winter, uh, going to Acapulco, which isn't an expensive place to be, and hanging out with all these like-minded people and hearing all this great stuff and the business that's getting done and all that sort of thing, it, it totally seems worth it to me. Did you smoke any ayahuasca at the ceremony? Um, I, I don't know anything about an ayahuasca ceremony. Uh, whoever had one uh, clearly didn't think I was qualified for uh, you know the peace and freedom that ayahuasca is going to bring to people. Um, but uh, now, I no. Yeah. Mark, come on, please. Thanks really? for the call. Look forward to seeing you back up in New Hampshire in a couple of weeks. And your calls and thoughts are welcome. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And Jay, you're telling us about a family in Gilbertsville, New York. That's upstate about halfway between Albany and Syracuse, a little south of that, though, who several years ago, they tried paying their property tax and in 2012 they were told no no you can't pay your 2011 taxes yet you have to pay the 2012 property taxes first then so they they paid that the next year they tried paying both the 2011 and the 2013 taxes and were told no sorry we began foreclosure proceedings on this property six months ago uh, that that's what i gather from what i'm reading here I, I haven't talked to these folks yet but i have a friend in palmer mass right where i grew up where i had my property tax issue formerly they had owed like nine thousand dollars in back property taxes it was two years worth of taxes and it was uh 
something like um I don't know, the taxes were like thirty six hundred bucks a year and because of the fees and the interest, it was two years in arrears, it was like ninety three hundred or ninety four hundred dollars. And she had owed the previous or the current year's taxes also, which was on thirty six hundred on top of the ninety six hundred. She went and I don't know if she borrowed money, but basically she had a cashier's check for the ninety whatever it was that was backed up and the tax collector refused to take it. And so she called me up crying. They won't take the check. Will you come to town hall with me? I went to town hall with her and I should have recorded it. I just didn't. This was like two years ago. It was before I went to Colorado and yeah, the tax, we're not taking it. And I said, I said, she's making a presentment and and you're refusing it. And this basically means that, you know, she, she she don't have to pay it now. As far as I'm concerned, I, I don't remember exactly how I worded it to the so guy. Something what like that. was their rationale for refusing the check? They wanted the additional thirty six hundred dollar payment of the current year's uh, taxes, which weren't part of this. You know, what they call like a, you know, tax collection or a, uh, you know, the there was two years involved in this tax right, collection right. bill, and they wanted the current year's taxes, which were, which. Which she hadn't paid yet because they were due like they're due twice a year down there. Right. So th- this seems kind of like one of the uh, thing. If you have say a credit card or certain loans, you've got to pay towards the interest before you can pay towards the balance. Sounds to me in Palmer they're saying no, you've got to pay the next payment before you can pay the previous payment. Yeah, yeah. basically, she was just trying to get caught up. And and it took her probably, you know, six weeks to, like, secure and this if money. if you don't have all of the money, we're not taking any of it. Oh, that was it, yeah. She basically, yeah, they were, they were jerks about it. And I think there's a huge incentive with these towns and with the law firms to put these properties into foreclosure, I'm sure if somebody really started digging into the money trail and figuring, you know, because the amount of money that that the lawyers make on this is absolutely insane. Like my house, they took it for thirty six thousand dollars in in taxes, and I believe the the whole bill after the lawyers' fees and stuff was there was like another fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars in lawyers' fees. Right, and on then that. it wound up selling for nowhere near what they claimed you owed in taxes. Oh yeah, it sold for like twenty thousand. And so let, let's get back into the story about the Force Farm. Yes, in New York, uh, where again the family tried paying the twenty eleven taxes. County refused the money. Said you've got to pay twenty twelve first. The next year, they showed up. They had the money for 2011 and 2013, and they were told, nope, we started foreclosure proceedings about six months ago. And then in August of 2014, the house went up on the auction blocks. Now, here's the interesting part of the story is that the county had previously stated on several occasions that it takes four consecutive years of back taxes in order to wind up having a foreclosure. Yeah, and in this case, it looks like they did it in two years. Uh, Less than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, About 18 months, because June of 2012 to January of 2013 for 2011 taxes, that's about 18 months. So absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous, and this here 
they got this county resolution number 26 of 1981 and number 234 of 1985, if anybody wants to look into that, where it says that uh, the county has uh, must allow, let me find my place here, uh, I, must I, make all attempts to allow here. property owners to pay their tax bill uh, before the property is auctioned off here. And down lower it says the county refused to follow their own law and started foreclosure proceedings in 2013 on property that had only owed two years of back taxes. And, and then the very next thing is that, again, the laws in this county say that any partial parcel of land acquired by the county for delinquent taxes may be redeemed by its former owner by paying to the treasurer the total amount of the taxes, including interest, penalties, and other costs, but yet the county refused payment. Yeah, and with this this lady in Palmer, it was the same thing. They just, they were, and they didn't go to tax taking court yet, or they they filed it, they, the, the thing that, that's what it was, that she had filed, they had filed for two years worth of them taxes in the court, and the other one, you know, wasn't in delinquency, but it was due. Yeah, they, they wouldn't take it. And now there's a story from December. So just a couple months ago, Bob and Donna Force have sued the county. That's Otsego County in New York, seeking $5 million on each of three counts, plus $298,000 for the value of the property, plus... $600 a month for the last two years from Christopher Paraskevopoulos, who lives in Gilbertsville, who bought the property and has been renting the property out. So they're asking for basically the 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 face value of the rent that this guy's been getting for property that they believe he rightly should not own. They also want the value of the property, $298,000, and $5 million on each of three allegations. Now, I, I have a slight problem with this, not from the standpoint of you know Bob and Donna Force should have had their property stolen. I don't believe that for one bit, but it's going to wind up being the taxpayer's that wind up getting screwed if they win this like sixteen, seventeen million dollar lawsuit. Yeah, it'll be the bond company that'll actually pay out that money. And then the bond company will then increase the bond rating on the town, which will yes, cause the taxpayers some more money. The thing is, is this is it yes, it needs to hurt the taxpayers. They're feeding this parasite. They keep on you know, feeding this evil machine that is just consuming and consuming and producing nothing and yeah i stop being po- taxpayers i mean that's really the solution of this I, all these people who are all upset about trump all these liberals and democrats that keep on you know being upset about it i tell them you know stop you know the protests are useless the marches are useless just stop paying taxes if you don't like what's going on right and if enough of us stop paying taxes uh you know, if, if only a few of us stop paying taxes, it's not really effective. They're just going to make examples of us. Right. But when, when a lot of us stop paying taxes, they're going to have some serious effect. Right. But, you know, I, I don't think that the guy who is basically, you know, paying his taxes because he's scared should be punished when some bureaucrat winds up violating the bureaucratic rules and harming somebody. The bureaucrat 
should be held liable. The bureaucrats should have to pay the money out of their pocket. And and yes, absolutely they should. And these guys are actually suing, I believe, the tax collector in his personal capacity. I had read in one of these things. Uh, the the Force family has taken out a few ads in in a couple local uh, print newspapers there. And in I, one of them, I thought it said something about suing the uh, the, the article from uh, allatsego dot com says in addition to the county. And the treasurer's office, the suit names the county board, board chair, Kathy Clark, and the treasurer, Dan Crowell. So they're suing the office of the treasurer and the person who holds that and, position. And that's what I did in my federal lawsuit against the town of Palmer. But, you know, they were all given immunity. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen here as well. Because, well, some politicians wrote down that you can't sue certain bureaucrats and it is because we said it is this is free talk live hour three coming up next 855 450 free on free talk live we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day from wrestling superstars like glenn jacobs you guys really are having an impact i believe like i said uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas. Your amp will directly change more lives by getting Free Talk Live in front of people looking for talk radio online and on the air. You can help by joining the AMP program for just $5 a month at amp.freetalklive.com and getting perks. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. Kicking off our number three in studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we've been discussing this family in New York, the Force family. And they had their property stolen from them. A couple of years ago by the local county bureaucrats who basically refused to let them pay their taxes. You heard that correctly. The county refused to let the family pay their property taxes. Jay, you've got that story. Catch everybody up with what we've covered so far on this. So these folks... uh Donna, and I, I forget her husband's Bob. name, but Donna and Bob Force buy this 111-acre farm to retire on uh, in upstate New York, and they go to pay their 2011 taxes, it was, and the they're like, no, you have to pay your 2012 taxes also. Basically, there's, they want the taxes paid by June 30th, and she thought it was July 30th, the date was, so... She was a few days late, I guess, on paying her 
2011 taxes, so they wanted the 2012 taxes paid also. Yep, they I, said, you've got to pay next year's before you can pay last year's, and we're, we'll are we'll take this money, but we are say it's going towards next year's. You still owe a year. So then they went back, and I guess they gathered up, they paid the 2012 taxes, and then they went to go pay the 2011 and 2013 taxes, and they were like, no, your property's going up for auction. It's basically too late. You there's nothing you can do, so somebody bought their property. So now these... The Even though the county rules say you have to be four years delinquent. Right. And the county rules also say that anyone who is delinquent has to be given the option to basically wind up catching up. You, you can pay everything right now and the auction will not happen. But that did not happen in this case. Because, as we know, governments, well, they don't follow the Constitution, which they're supposed to follow. So why should they follow their own little county codes, right? Right. So they, they just pretty much do whatever they want because they have the guns and more guns than us. And they're going to just kill and us they, if we resist. They have a bunch of immunities, some of them granted to them by other bureaucrats. Some of those immunity is granted to them by judges who say, you have this immunity because, and then other immunities that they just have because, and the courts agree that they have because. So the forces have sued the county. They've sued the bureaucrats involved in the county, and they are suing them in their official capacity and their personal capacity. I did a very similar thing with uh, my father's farm a few years ago, and it it generally never goes anywhere. I'm going to pay very close attention to this because see if these guys do something that I didn't do and they get somewhere with it would be really cool. But anyway, so these guys have taken... The next course of action that they can take is using the court system. They hired a lawyer. They actually hired a lawyer that was a former Oswego County prosecutor, and that lawyer, I guess, didn't really do anything. So they ended up firing him, and then they hired another lawyer from Long Island who's working on the case now. They did take out a couple of uh, newspaper ads, half-page or quarter-page ad, it says, and the ad shows Lady Liberty, or Lady Justice, I mean, holding the scales, you know, blindfolded in there, and it says... Property owners take Oswego County to federal court for aggressive foreclosure action on private property. I guess that property is not private. It's probably deemed as agricultural or residential or something, not private by the uh, county. Uh, well, the, the, there's really two types of property. There's private and there's public. So public is allegedly owned by all of us. Well, when the word public, like Ian stated last week, really means government. But the county or the tax That's assessor... That's why I said allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. The the tax assessor's office or, or tax collectors classify property as residential, commercial, and agricultural, which is no designation I want of, of any of my property because I want mine to be designated private property. In fact, there's some guys that did some tactics in Pennsylvania years ago, and what they did is they literally sued the county to get their property designated as private property. I never got any sights on this. This is like, you know, the 100 mile per gallon carburetor theory. Uh, all I remember was the guys from Pennsylvania were like, oh yeah, we did this down here. And I'm like, cool, show me the documents and stuff. And I don't know, I never got them. 
But anyways, that happens a lot with people that uh, yeah, you know, yeah. make all kinds of weird legal theories. They're like, oh yeah, I was able to do fill in the blank. Cool. How'd you do it? I'll sell you my book for yeah. <laughs> you know, $900 or some other outrageous amount or, oh, well, you know, I, I can't tell you because the court sealed everything and if I tell anybody, then I'll go to jail for contempt and this and that and the other thing. So there's always a reason why nobody can ever actually show anybody what they did on some of these things. Uh, yeah, there's always a reason, probably because somebody's telling stories. I don't know. But or it didn't work out or whatever. You're actually willing to try, and you have tried some of these you know, yeah, tactics. I, I've I've tried these property rights things, and what happened with me in court, they just totally ignored everything. But what I'm going to do this next time around is I'm uh, buying a piece of property up in Grafton, New Hampshire, and I am going to uh, the property we paid for. It's going to be paid for in silver, actually, not dollars. Okay. Uh, it's not going. To, we're not going to be using Federal Reserve notes to buy this property or any or any no checks or nothing like that. And what I'm I'm going to do a few things. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to attempt to cancel the Federal Reserve uh, lien on the property that I have now. I don't have like 100 percent solid solid evidence this Federal Reserve lien even exists. But I'm going to try some of this stuff that I've studied how to cancel out. Uh, liens on on the property and it has to do with pay uh putting a, a gold pay stamp that you can buy from the post office literally uh, and which you can because i've gone to the post office and said hey i want to buy a gold pay stamp and they're like oh it's ten dollars and it's going to take us two weeks to get it and you got to pay for it and, okay that's cool so I, I know i can do that and then you sign your name through this pay stamp and it cancels out the stamp kind of like when the post office puts their little you know stamp thing with the date and whatever on, on a stamp the, the it cancels it out the postmark yeah so I have seen these old deeds when I did the deed research that had these actual pay stamps on them and they had someone's signature through them. And so I know that that's something that, that can be done because I've seen it in, in a deed hall. So that's something I'm going to attempt. I'm also going to be very clear that the property is not going to belong to the character that is on the birth certificate that my mom signed when I was a little, when I was born. It is going to be, I, I'm going to actually, the, the name will be Jay Noon. And it'll say spirit-filled man. It, it will describe me as it's not not a person, not a U.S. citizen, you know, none of these things. I'm not going to give them a date of birth. I'm not going to give them any form of government documentation. Uh, I'm not going to go down this, you know, person or fictitious persona or straw man character. So I'm going to I'm going to try a bunch of these things. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to the county. I'm going to say, hey, how can I own property? Can, can I own private property? Um, so you're, and they will, the name might be like, yeah, you can own private property. And this is what I expect them to say. And I, oh, okay. So that means I don't have to pay taxes on it, right? It's not going to be taxable property, right? Well, then I'm sure a conversation is no, going to change No, of course it'll bit. be taxable because, you know, you, you've got to pay taxes because roads and, and schools. And, and what I'm going to say is, well, I don't want to own this property as agricultural, residential, or commercial, or any of them designations. I want to own it as a as private property, as property that belongs to a man, not property that's put in trust within the county. I'm going to also ask them: Can I remove? Can I withdraw property from the county or move it? Remove it from the county? Because as far as I'm concerned, all the county is is just his name on a piece of paper. It's just another one of these municipal corporation things. And, and I want to get the property out of there. So I'm actually brainstorming with some folks Sunday 
Uh, we're meeting up, and we're, we're going to talk about this. And you're also doing this, again, in New Hampshire. In New where Hampshire, yes. If you do go to court, it will be very easy to get cameras into the courtroom to actually capture what is going on. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733 in studio. It's Daryl. And Jay. And we'll go to the phones. We've got Timmy calling in from Arizona. Timmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. It's Jimmy. Uh, Jay. I should like to take you up on an invite to come work with you. Yeah, that's what you said last week. Yeah, and I mean it. You have my phone number and you have my email address and my Skype contact. But even better, Jay, I should like you to be a man and to live up to the show's credo and have a conversation with me where I get to hear anything else you'd like to say. Because I'd like to talk about the obscenely stupid and offensive things you've said on public radios about our past president. And it would apply to our current one as well, about being a puppet and an actor. And I wanted to tell you about the Ernie Hancock story that Ian didn't allow me to tell when he asked me about it. Because, again, your friends right there and the others that call themselves ministers really aren't ministers. They're preachers that lie. But, uh, Jay, yeah, uh, how can one be a, a puppet and an actor at the same time? And if Bush is Hitler like Ernie Hancock, the sucker he is, constantly referred to President Bush as Hitler and a Nazi for years on the public radios. I'm wondering how those all can be true, because they can't. Not to mention it's ironic that George W. Bush was the father of another puppet and actor. So did George H.W. Bush know that? uh, I'm getting them backwards. uh, Forgive me. Um, they're both puppet and actors and just pawns. I, I believe so. Yeah, I, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Can you back it up? And then I should like to ask you, why aren't you doing something about it? Because it's your moral obligation to take out Hitler. Literally, Jay. Not just shit and sit and chill. Thank you for the call. And you can't say what you just said. And board op, my dump button is not working. So hopefully you got that. Jay, would you like to respond? Well, so he's saying it's my moral obligation to take out Hitler. Well, it sounds like he's like asking me, I don't know, to take out the president or something. He was talking about how Ernie referred to George Bush as Hitler. I, I mean, you know, a lot of the speeches of, and I did a lot of study, especially when I was in high school. Uh, about you know Bush and well Bush number one and uh, he had like some speeches that were like scarily close to like Hitler speeches from from what I remember and so I don't know who, who Ernie was calling Hitler Bush one or 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 Bush forty one or Bush forty three um, even if I said that right but um, no I'm not going to take anyone out first off uh, if anything I. Uh, I think what what we're doing here is is a pretty good thing. We're we're spreading the ideas of liberty, and um, and I do believe that the presidents are essentially puppets. In fact, uh, even if you want to go to the extreme, I heard on some radio show the other day. I don't remember whose show it was, but they were talking about that 
the like that basically you know whoever like an nsa or whatever is you know spying on everybody they got all the dirt on like every politician and what they can these guys can actually do is literally take this information and they can just put it out there put it out there feed it to the media and the media you know goes with it and they basically anybody who's in any form of high politics literally the only reason they get there is because they have dirt on them and they're controllable is what this guy was talking about so do I have evidence of that? No, but that's definitely, you know, a very valid theory as far as I'm concerned because it, I, I think they can sink anybody that they want. The media can, and even, if, even if it's just simply the media being fed information, whether it's true or not, you know, people become, uh, you know, discredited and destroyed. Even like the other day, listening to the Freedom Fiends, Michael Fien said, was talking about how that um, Milo guy. Yiannopoulos. Uh, yeah, whoever he is had been convicted in a Facebook court of law, you know, he, or an internet court of law, you'd say, because everybody's just, you know, hammering on this dude over, over whatever he did or didn't do. I, I don't even really care. And I, I kind of find it pretty much irrelevant. I like to focus on, like, this property tax thing and, you know, teaching people, you know, about and learning about how, how we can own property, how we can be free, spreading the ideas of free freedom and and the people in the freedom and libertarian liberty movement, what I like to do with, with them folks is, you know, teach them about tolerance and, and, and love and, you know, and basically just, you know, to just get along with everybody around them. Uh, Cause that's probably one of the biggest things in a libertarian movement. We see these little nitpicking and fighting going on a lot of time, um, you know, amongst them. And it's like, you know, let's get over that stuff and, you know, work on our, our focus of freedom. Right. But there are some people that, and I, I've actually heard people say, I like to argue. Oh yeah. So I'm a good debater. No, that doesn't make you a good debater. That just makes you somebody that likes to argue. And, and there are people who like to argue and fight. And I've, uh, you know, I, I have a relative who really likes to argue and fight, and I just he gets really mad at me because I won't argue and won't fight with him. But yeah, I I I see that a lot of places, and a, a lot of people, you know, yeah, they like to fight. And it's like let's, let's let's stop fighting and you know work work towards our goal of of liberty, right, freedom, and that's what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. That's what a bunch of other people in New Hampshire are doing. There are at least two different migrations happening here for the ideas of liberty there's the free state project that's a little more organized and formal and then there's the shire society that is not really organized or formal at all and you can find out more about the shire society at shiresociety.com and you know I'm a member of the Shire Society. I wear a Shire Society lapel pin on my suit when I go testify to state reps in the state house. Yeah, I'm a member of Shire Society also. I And when I tell people about New Hampshire, I still tell them about the Free State Project. And I tell them that the Free State Project was one of my original uh, draws to come to New Hampshire. And I, I've always kind of liked New Hampshire anyways before the Free State Project even started. I mean, in fact, uh, when I did have a driver's license... I couldn't get a driver's license when I turned 18. I had a Colorado driver's license first. And then when I turned 18, I went, I used a friend's address in New Hampshire and got a New, New Hampshire driver's license. So I've been coming to New Hampshire for, you know, an awful long time, almost 20 years. I'm 37 years old now. And 
because uh, Massachusetts, you couldn't get a driver's license, you know, without a social security number. So, and, and, you know, I stopped using a driver's license, you know, about 10 years ago uh, when I went to renew it. And they were like, no, you have to check off your U.S. citizen. And I said, well, I'm not a U.S. citizen. So whatever, I don't have one anymore. And, but I don't need one as far as I'm concerned. Some people think differently. Sometimes they have guns. And uh, badges. And badges, yeah. So, uh, but, well, you know, anybody's got a gun, you know, whether he's got a badge or not. You know, I'm not going to give him too much of a hard time if he's willing to use it on me. Right. So, but anyways, uh, so yeah, I always do give credit to the Free State Project and, you know, they're, I was hanging out with a bunch of, bunch of Free Staters last night, actually, at uh, uh, Murphy's Tap Room and, and uh, you know, I like all them guys. I, I got really no problem with anyone in particular and I don't like, you know, obviously that they, you know, kicked people out, but I mean... I can't control them, and nor do I want to. Right. So, but yeah, I always bring up the Shire Society also, but definitely the, the Free State Project is, has, has done a lot of good for liberty. Yeah. So if you love the ideas of liberty, definitely come to New Hampshire. The drama in real life is nowhere near as bad as it is online. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Here's a chance to do a little activism while you're cruising Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. Between the LOL cats, the recipes, the hot girls, and the inspirational sunrise memes, Free Talk Live's posts pass by your newsfeed. Like them. Comment. It gives us more exposure. If you don't see our posts, click like at facebook.freetalklive.com and then hover over it to click get notifications. It's an easy way to spread the ideas of liberty a bit further. I know you're busy, but you can spare that tenth of a calorie it takes to click on something. Facebook.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE, that's 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And have you wanted to start your own website or blog, but you've not yet been able to put that idea into action? Well, you're in luck because HostGator, one of the top hosting companies out there, is offering a special deal to Free Talk Live listeners. Go to HostGator.com slash FTL and you can get up to 50% off their regular prices. Hosting your own website or blog can be intimidating, but HostGator makes it easy. HostGator offers a simple one-click easy installation for WordPress and they have 24 hours, seven day per week over the phone or live chat tech support and very intuitive and user-friendly control panels that put the power of creation and the simplicity of use into your hands. HostGator has a 99.99% uptime rating, so you don't have to worry about outages. To get the special offer of up to 50% off for Free Talk Live listeners, visit HostGator.com slash FTL. Now, Jay, you do a lot of work with animals, yep. stuff like that, people that have farms. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I'm not sure if this is something that you've seen specifically, but I know that Mark Edge, uh, Free Talk Live co-host, he owns some pigs. Correct. And he gets some outdated food every now and then Yep. that he feeds to said pigs. I actually ate some outdated yogurt yesterday and today. Well, coming up soon, the dates on food are probably going to change. There was a news release from the Food Marketing Institute and the Grocery Manufacturers Association a couple of weeks ago where 
they are saying that the food industry will be changing the way the freshness date labels are stamped onto packaging in an effort to clear up confusion. Right now, they say there are currently 10 different date labels on food. 10 different variants. Used by, sell by. Used by, sell by, expires on, best before, best if used by, best by, etc. That can result in confusion among customers and, in some cases, store owners as well, causing people to discard safe or usable products after the date on the package. Going forward, the proposal is to have two labels, best if used by and used by. And these two labels will mean the following. Best if used by describes product quality where the product may not taste or perform as expected, but is still safe to use or consume. So let's say bag of chips, pack of crackers, bottle of soda, bottle of water. Bottled water has a freshness date on it. I know a lot of alcoholic beverages have a freshness date because I know I had an angry orchard the other day that was in a refrigerator at my brother's house and it tasted pretty funky, like different. And my sister-in-law was like, oh, that thing's like two months old. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I was wondering what was wrong with it. but Yeah, so the best if used by, again, might just be, might be a little stale, might not taste exactly how it should, but it still possibly be all right to use after this date the use by will apply to the few products that are highly perishable and is alcohol highly perishable no i know milk is i think alcohol content might go up a little bit or something if it you know i mean i don't know i drank it angry or it tasted a little different but it didn't hurt me or nothing yeah yeah milk but usually things that are highly perishable i mean you can you can usually tell when it's not good right you can, but again, you know, like a lot of times people will just, they'll only look at the date and not, you know, sniff it or smell it or look to see, oh, there's some mold on this cheese or mold on the bread. They'll just look to see, oh, it expired yesterday. Throw it out. Sure. I, I've, I've drank plenty of milk that's been expired and it's been good. And I've seen plenty of milk where it, I wouldn't drink it and it still wasn't. You didn't reach expiration right. date yet. So again, the use-by date will apply to food products that are highly perishable and or have a food safety concern over time. Is this a federal thing? Uh, this is not a mandate, uh, though it is recommendations from the Food Marketing Institute and the Grocery Manufacturers Association. Oh, okay, so all right. private entities yep. that have a lot of sway if you will, over companies. And this is one of those things. And I'm really glad that these are two private entities here because people all the time ask, in a libertarian society where government doesn't force people how to do things, then how am I not going to get E. coli from eating food? Uh, Free market solutions like what we're talking about right now. Right. And the example that I generally give is with electronics of underwriters laboratory there's no requirement that you know people that make electronics 
go get that UL certification. That's right. But almost every electronic that you find in Walmart, Target, Best Buy, any kind of you know store that's like a big box store, almost everything's going to have that UL certification if it's electronic. It's because these electronics manufacturers want bragging rights on, hey, our product's safe. Underwriters Laboratories said so. We got Check certified by... And I'll oftentimes look, and there's a bunch of little logos, yep. and that UL is generally one of them, because people want to brag that we got certified as meeting these certain criteria. It's just like with the GMO labeling. When I was in Colorado, one of the big things We Are Change Colorado was doing was uh you know want this uh you know force them to label gmos genetically modified organisms and i still contend that that's an absolutely horrible term right but to my my thing is i don't want government force anybody to do anything right so i was kind of against this and i you know i created a little bit of friction with some of the folks there because you know i'm a i'm principled libertarian on things i don't want government telling anybody to do anything right so but what i said to him was hey it's common sense if a company, uh, if a if a manufacturer makes a food or whatever, and it's non-GMO, they're going to tell you about it. They're right. going to brag about it because that's a selling point. Well, for a long time, the FDA was preventing people from putting that on their labels. And, and I had heard that at one time, too. But yeah, this was the, wanting to mandate that it must be labeled GMO uh, if it has any GMO food in it. But Right. And so. well, one of the examples that I often hear is... Corn is almost always genetically modified. Oh, yeah. And, well, based on the definition of, you know, you're modifying the genes, yes, corn would not exist if it weren't for selective breeding. But yet... That's hybrid That's hy- hybrid corn or hybridization. Right. But then people always or often say, well, that's not what I mean by GMO. I mean things that were modified in a lab then come up with a different term, especially if the example you're giving is corn that exists because of crossbreeding. Right, selective breeding, uh, hybridization. I've got gotten into this talk with people about cattle and corn and everything. And, and personally, I don't really think the GMOs in the actual crops are really a big problem. The actual fact that they're genetically modified, I don't really think it's a big problem. The problem is that Monsanto claims to own the genetic makeup of the product, and if you wind up even inadvertently planting some of their seed, meaning let's say your next-door neighbor is just you know tossing out some seeds that they bought from Monsanto and some of it blows onto your property, Monsanto will sue you. Sure. Well, actually, the way it works is they're not tossing around or wasting Monsanto seed. It's very expensive. They try not to get that, but we can explain after the break actually how this... You know, right, but they, there have been examples to or oh, I know, cases yeah. where people said, I never planted that. It blew over from the, the neighbor. We'll discuss coming up in moments and possibly time for you and your thoughts. 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Possibly time for you and your thoughts if you call in now. 
Again, 855-450-3733. In studio, it's Daryl. And Jay. And we're talking about food safety, and that led us to a discussion about GMOs, genetically modified organisms, that again, there's you know the claim of, oh, GMO means anything where the genes have been manipulated. Oh, so selective breeding? No, not that, except for corn. Corn's the only thing where selective breeding means GMO. Everything else, we mean modified in a lab. Okay, then call it MILs. Or GMILs. <laughs> genes modified in lab. Well, that, that would be a better name than GMO. Yeah, I mean, to me, GMO, gen- genetically modified organism, literally means just that. Modified in a laboratory. Somebody's actually literally taking DNA and playing with it and splicing things and and that's how they come up with Roundup. Uh, Roundup was made from, is basically glyphosate, which is Agent Orange. And there was a pit, I believe it's in Springfield, Massachusetts. The place is called Solution now, but it, it was Monsanto years ago. And Monsanto had, you know, the sweetheart government contract for creating this chemical to defoliate, you know, Vietnam and Korea, where they would go over and they would spray with literally crop dusters. And two days later, the forest would not be green and you could see everything that was, you know, all the leaves would be dead. So, and as we know, a whole bunch of Vietnam era, uh, you know, veterans have gotten all kinds of diseases and cancer and, and evidence. And even their children. And their children. And, oh yeah, so it's it, it's bad news, this, this glyphosate is this chemical, but what happened is they were dumping it in a pit, I believe in Springfield, Massachusetts, actually. I could be wrong about that. And they noticed that a mold, a fungus was growing on this stuff that killed, you know, uh, this herbicide and it killed plants and, and and so what they did was they would take this mold, the gene from this mold, and they spliced it into corn, um, alfalfa, cottonseed, canola, and you know a whole bunch of others. Roundup ready long, you know, grass you can buy now for your yard. So the fact that they did that, they messed with that. Is I don't like that. I don't like that idea. Right. You know, they a lot of people call it frankenfruit, but I don't really think that that's causing a lot of uh, health issues the fact that they spliced the um you know the genetics and put this you know this this trait from this mold into it it probably could i'm not a scientist but all the studies that i've actually looked into on you know the food that gave the genetically modified corn for example or soy that gave the rats extreme amounts of cancer or, or caused birth defects was also that that product that corn that grain was sprayed with roundup it was sprayed with the the glyphosate i think the problem is that they're spraying the roundup on it now i worked on a big commercial farm in colorado for two years a bag of what is called triple stock triple stack um uh corn triple stack means that it's genetically modified to be or it's it's modified to be drought resistant that's one uh it's roundup ready so you can spray kill the weeds and not the corn that's yep. two and then it has a rootworm uh property to it that kills the rootworms when it when the rootworms get into it so and actually when that when you're pouring that corn into the into the cedar you'll see that there's some of the corn's red and some of the corn's green and what it is it's got a clay around it it has like a little fertilizer in it and it, and it helps it absorb water and helps the, the corn you know, germinate. Well, the ones that are a different color, there's like 2% of it is not genetically modified at all. So for example, the, it, it's not actually, it's not genetically modified for like rootworm 
So the rootworms will go to them actual corn, and they will actually get into that. But they they uh, and they won't get into the other corn. So that bag of corn, like last year, was like three hundred and eighty dollars a bag to go buy what they call conventional corn, which is uh, non-GMO. It's about a hundred dollars or eighty-five dollars a bag to plant it. So a farmer's not gonna use Roundup Ready corn unless he's going to spray Roundup. I, there has been no test done where the Roundup or, or GMO corn or GMO seed has no Roundup on it. Let's go to the phones. We've got David calling in from San Francisco. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, howdy. Uh, you know, I was uh, I used to uh, manage a, a pear orchard out in Colorado, and uh, listening to this has brought back some memories especially about Roundup, as you're just talking. Roundup, uh, you had to be certified by the extension agent to get Roundup, and then you had to be trained to be able to use it, and you had to prove that you had been trained before you could get it. I thought Roundup was something that I could go down to Home Depot and buy bottles of. Yeah, Yeah. and so they've changed the formula, or they did. And do you remember how... When the uh, ex, was it the Exxon, not the Exxon Valdez, what was that, uh, the big oil gusher? The Deep Horizon or Deepwater? Yeah, yeah. The, the thing so back in remember, 2010. Yeah, they had a, the, uh, the, the oil company had a, a trademark product called uh, Corexit. And Corexit has been banned in most countries in the world, but the United States didn't have a rule on it yet. And Corexit was used, and the U.S. government put in a claim to know what it was, but they claimed uh, that it was a, a, uh, a trademark uh, chemical, and they would never release it. That's what, probably one of the cheesiest things that Obama did, was to refuse to acknowledge that we couldn't know how they were poisoning us. You know, if, if a if a chemical has been banned, even offshore of the UK, uh, and uh, that all of a sudden they're just gushing it into our Gulf of Mexico based on some trademark law, yeah, they, uh, that we the people don't have the right to know what they dumped into the Gulf. They were saying crazy. the effects of the Corexit will be worse than the actual effects of just the oil being sure, there. Sure. Yeah, it's like a mutative thing. I, I Personally, I think what they're doing is, is they're just, you know, the companies that had been hired to get rid of hazardous waste, they finally figured out a big scam like this where they could trick, you know, a nation into poisoning itself. Yep, and, and we, I, I've heard that fluoride, at least the fluoride that is often put into drinking water, was some kind of waste from oh, yeah, something. Oh, yeah, that aluminum refining somebody decided hey wait a second we can make some money by selling this to government instead of paying people to dispose of this for us there's a documentary about i can't remember what it's called but i watched a documentary a few years ago that basically explains the whole thing and they they go to this australian aluminum manufacturing company and they have they talk to people and they're like, oh, what's this? And they're like, oh, it's a fluoride. It's a, it's a hazardous waste. And they mm-hmm. load it in the trucks and the trucks have these hazmat placards all over it. And then it goes literally like right to like the, I don't know, some city water supply. And the guy's in like a full body suit and he's dropping the thing down like this thing that injects it into the water or something. Yeah, yeah. And my, my whole thing and, you know, there's the claim that 
fluoride, if applied to your teeth, helps add you know strength or something. And I, I, I don't know if it yeah. does or not, but my question is, really if it's topical. supposed to be a topical application, right. why is it That's being put in word. water that people exactly. ingest? And secondarily, let's say even you know ingesting it is good for you. Putting it in water, you're medicating people without regulating the dose. And right. I don't think anybody, if somebody said, oh, well, you know, an aspirin a day is good for certain things. So therefore, we're just going to put random aspirin dispensaries around town to where anybody can take as many as they want. Nobody would approve that. Everybody would say you're out of your mind. There's no, that's not safe. There's nobody regulating that dose. But yet. California got suckered a few years ago, probably over 10 years ago. They, we, there was a, a similar to the obtaining the, uh, the, uh, the, the previous chemical. This was also a byproduct of the uh, gasoline manufacturer, and they didn't know what to do with their growing stash of it. So they tricked the state of California into introducing it into like winter additive gasoline, and so they ended up uh, it ended up being such a powerful chemical that it would sap all of the oxygen out of the ground, and it, it was just like ruining the water supply in, in sections of the state because it was like this sapping uh, chemical, and uh, it it. Uh, then it wasn't bad enough that the state legislature had authorized them to put it into the gasoline. And imagine the lawsuits of the government taking part in a poison like that. But then the companies had the gall to demand 20 years future losses for not being able to get rid of this poison. Wow. <laughs> David, thank you for the call. We're out of time for tonight, but we'll be back tomorrow and always online at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, Anarchapulco after show number two. We thought we were doing one with uh, uh, Paul Pui, but we also have another one with uh, Danny Shine, who is with us here. And uh, longtime listeners of the show may recall an interview that uh, we did with you, Danny. I don't remember what year it was, but it might have been before we moved to New Hampshire, which could have been more than a decade ago. I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's been quite a long time. Uh, Danny, welcome back to Free Talk Live. Thank you. So you're here at uh, Anarchopolco. We've never had the pleasure of meeting in real life before, but I've been a, a fan of, uh, of your work on YouTube. For listeners who are unfamiliar, you years ago uh, started to record videos in London, it seems like mostly, uh, where you're on the streets with another guy and you've got a uh, megaphone and you're just... You're letting them have it. You're letting the, the corporate overlords, the, the state overlords, I mean, basically all these people in positions of power over others, you're just letting them have it uh, with really kind of lighthearted fare. I mean, you, you, you've got a serious message, but you're not delivering it in a, a very serious manner. You're, you're having fun with it, and I think that's one of the things that attracted me to it the most. How has uh, what you've done you know, changed over all these years? Because you're still at it. You've got a, a different uh, YouTube channel now. It has changed names. It is now uh, 
social experimentalist. Mm-hmm. So folks looking for it, uh, the, your more recent stuff. Is the old stuff there too? or is that Yeah, some... it's all there, yeah. It's just okay. a change of name. So, I mean, has, have you changed your, your approach? Has, uh, you know, has uh, sort of what you've been putting out there uh, modified over, uh, over the decade it seems like you've been doing this? How long have, have you been at this? I've been at this for eight years. It's my eighth year. Um, so, yeah, quite a long time. Um, I'm not sure if I've changed the approach consciously. Um, I mean, the first, uh, the first few... When I got into this, I, I did it with this guy, Charlie Veach. Mm-hmm. We were only together for three months. After that, I made a decision which I'm very pleased with, which is to cut off contact with him. Three months. Um, it feels like it was so much longer. I know. I know. It really <laughs> was a short time. Um, so I, I had no idea what he's doing, where he is, and mm-hmm. I don't really want to know. Um, but I carried on on my own, and I, you know, I, I just love it. It's so exciting and interesting. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, because I love it so much, and it's you know, it's so engaging and challenging, and I met so many wonderful people. I struggle with disciplining myself to get other people involved, um, which is what I really would like to do. Um, to get other people involved because there's so much. There's so much potential, mm-hmm. um, and um, and you know you touched on it in, in, in the introduction about um, the idea of kind of laughing at it all and poking fun at it. They hate it when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, they it's really very like it's it. very powerful um, because you know it's very disarming humor, and the the other thing about it is you know um, if 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 I if we fight something, um, then we're we're kind of giving it power and. Mm-hmm. And it comes back at us, um, and 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 the system and its agents is so ridiculous. Um, it's just so funny and ridiculous and, and sad and cruel as well. But there's so much uh, that, that for me it's about laughing, laughing the system away, and um, so that's what I do. Uh, I mean, a lot lot of the stuff recently has involved quite a lot of police and challenging of authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, which you're good at. You've uh, you've had a lot of experience yeah. uh, interacting with the police. I've also uh, done some of that over in uh, the U.S. There's a thing called cop block, uh, which is a little more of a serious attitude uh, towards police abuse and, and violence and things like that. But in your case, it's usually just the police were trying to get you to leave somewhere. You're out in front of a store or a mall or a shopping mall or something like that. And whether it's uh, security guards or the actual bobbies, uh, they're they're coming after you and they want you to go away. Yeah. So uh, that, that, there's a lot of that, um, and I've learned a lot a- about communication, about the importance of questions, a mm. uh, huge importance of questions, not just with the police, not just with people in authority, but just in general, how powerful questions are, um, and also the awareness of, when, of when, when I ask you a question, what I'm drawing you into my world. And, and one of the one of the techniques that that I I use, and even even despite the, the, the many number of years I've been doing this, uh, I still find it hard to remember to do this. But uh, is just to use very brief meditations to count to thirty, count to sixty in the middle of uh, when you're performing. In the middle of performance, mm-hmm. especially when a policeman comes up to me, I'll count to thirty, and that's that. That's a fa- fabulous technique because it, you know. When a policeman comes to you and says to you, so what are you doing here? Yeah, They expect an immediate response. Right, and I would yeah. think that that would be really stunning to them to have to uh, 
You wait 30 seconds. Are you making, yeah. are you locking eye contact with them while you're doing no, that? No, I'm closing my eyes. Ah, okay. I'm closing my eyes. Um, and uh, there'll be some cute videos. There's one out there where I, I sort of, the, the, this, this female police officer said, can't, can't you just do 10 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, was every, this is every question? Well, after a question, I'd say, I'm just going to, you know, or to, usually at the beginning. <laughs> so you're informing them that you're meditating. Yeah. You're giving so them that just a, count of 30. That's hilarious. That's yeah. what that is. And what happened <laughs> at the end of that particular one is that she um, she couldn't handle the silence. So she was there was a cr- crowd of people there, and she said to the crowd of people, like, is there a problem here? And they said, no, we're just listening to this guy. And they said, he, she said, all right. And by the time I opened my eyes, She's gone. she was gone. Wow, that's um, so powerful! And it, it's very powerful, but not just in that situation. Yeah. It's very powerful, and it's you know to do with your family, your friends. You don't have to say you're doing this. You can go to yeah. the toilet and literally just count to thirty. Because when someone asks you a question, so if a policeman comes up to me and asks me, "So what are you doing here?" Well, they're coming with with a, an assumption that somehow I should answer their question. They have you know that they. They you believe know, they have authority. That they have authority and, you know, that I should, that I should even engage with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if some random person just came up to me and says, you know, in an authoritative way, what, what right do you have to be here? I wouldn't take that seriously. Right. Well, they've got a badge and a, well, yeah. in your case, probably not guns, but sometimes. No, no, they have, very rarely have guns, yeah. but, but they've got the badges on. And, and in order to, to sort of break the, the spell... Because what they're doing is, that it, it, it's a form, I, I would describe it as a form of witchcraft, the mm. whole system, right? So what they're doing is by, by, you know, wearing all that uniform, that's part of the, we've all been programmed. So I can't, unless I create a break, I'm being drawn into their world and I right. don't want to be. And you're playing by their rules. Yeah. And, and that comes back around to the, what you're talking about, the power of asking questions. So they've asked you a question, but you, could, you can ask them questions as well. And, yeah. and again, not just the police, but also the average person. And I think what you were driving at there, and please you know, feel free to elaborate, is the idea that uh, you know, if you're asking the questions, you're controlling the conversation, number one. They yeah. know that. Um, a lot of people don't realize that. And uh, rather than telling someone something, if you can get them to come to the conclusions on their own by asking questions, it's much more powerful, much more likely to influence somebody, to make a connection with somebody, and have them really understand what you're trying to communicate. Absolutely, absolutely. It, the questions is just such is it's such an important and interesting subject. Um, it, you know, so yes, you can uh, you can definitely and, and the, I play a game with sometimes with the police when I remember it. it, it just simply the game of who answers the question first loses, right? <laughs> so they'll ask me, you know, and quite often it's amazing to see what happens. You know, they'll ask me. So uh, th- there's one th- there's one um, video which I did, which I'm not in the picture. It's, it, it's called uh, Cyclist versus PC Stout, and I'm mm-hmm. stopped. He's on a bike, and I'm on a bike, and I'm stopped, and he's accusing me of going through a red light. And at one stage he says, you know, what's your name uh, and address? And I'm saying, well, do I, do I need to give you my details? And he's, again, he just, what's, what's your name, name and address? Um, do I need to give you my details? What's your name and address? Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting game to play. Um, Who just, won? <laughs> and, well, <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the video. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. You've always got such interesting uh, approaches and techniques, and I think a lot of people who are in the activism sphere, uh, especially the the on-the-streets kind of activism sphere, as as I have been, uh, can learn a lot from it and, you know, de-escalating a confrontation. These guys want to escalate in a lot of cases, but a lot of police, that's what they're trained to do. And I think that some of the the tactics that you use really help change that, that feel 
uh, the vibe of those encounters. And the, the whole meditation thing is a brilliant, uh, brilliant tactic. I wanted to just say the one last thing that came to mind sure. about, about the questions. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely not an expert on most things and not on psychology and neurolinguistic programming. But, you know, for example, I see, uh, I see people having T-shirts that say, um, even though this T-shirt, right, is, 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 has got the same problem, but say things like, uh, um, taxation is theft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was wearing that. I've got one day. of those, yeah. Right. <laughs> so I think a far more powerful... Now, when someone sees taxation as theft, what, what, what I think happens in their psyche is they either agree with that or disagree Correct. with it. Correct. Yeah? If, the, if it was... A question. A question. Yeah. I, I personally, but personally, I don't think I, I don't think calling it theft is is good enough, right? I would call it a form of armed robbery, right? So, I think more, more powerful T-shirt is, is taxation a form of armed robbery? Question mark. Mm-hmm. And then let the person think about it. Yeah, I love that. That's uh, it's brilliant. Uh, just kind of turning a lot of what we consider typical activism on its head social experimentalist is the channel on youtube danny shine is his name uh mark did you have any questions for danny uh, you know i think it's a fascinating interview all right very good thanks for coming back on free talk live always appreciate your time thank you danny thank you and enjoy the rest of this conference it's been great And that is it uh, from, for real this time, from uh, Anarchapulco. We're going to pack up the equipment and, uh, and head on out of here. This is the last uh, after podcast? This is the last post-post uh, okay. podcast. So we're going to put this one on Wednesday's show, which will not be a show from here. So That's we've fine. got Paul sure. on uh, tonight's show, and then Wednesday this will be on. Okay. So uh, any other thoughts you want to share from Anarchapulco? Had a really great time. All right, man. I uh, hope you get well soon. Thanks. See you. You've probably heard the libertarian author Tom Mullen interviewed or talked about on Free Talk Live. Well, Tom wrote a song called You Were Right, Mr. Spock. Burning houses, playing city.
Mr. Spock by libertarian author and singer-songwriter Tom Mullen. To get it on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and more, go to skepticsongs.com. If you want to read Tom's articles and free excerpts of his books, go to tommullen.net.